watch your step, hold your breath, hang on for dear life, and catch the hawk. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Hudson Hawk. Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today we are covering 1991 Bruce Willis film, Hudson Hawk. And if you're wondering why we are covering this movie, all I have to say to you is, good question. (laughs) There are spies in it. Yes, there are spies in it. That is true. How familiar were you with this movie before you watched it? Not at all. All I knew that was that there were spies in it. I knew it as a punchline to a joke involving Bruce Willis. That <laughs> if Bruce Willis does something to you, if he gives you a hard time, if he acts like a tough guy, just say Hudson Hawk. And presumably he'll dissolve into a puddle of tears and humiliation. Aww. What's like the implication, if, at least? Uh, we'll uh, save our reviews for the end, but I think suffice to say we had an interesting experience with this movie. I don't think I'm going to be able to keep it to myself this whole time, just <laughs> so you know. Uh, we can try. All right. Well, should we just get into it then? Sure. A cat burglar is forced to steal Da Vinci works of art for a world domination plot. Wow, that's uh, succinct and to the point. Unlike this I know, movie. It's a nice refreshing change. Unlike the movie, yes. <laughs> so the beginning is like the beginning of Disney's Robin Hood. I was I thinking, actually doesn't wondered, also like Prince, uh, what's that, uh, Princess Bride start like this too, I feel like? Oh no, Princess Bride starts with the storybook, with the grandfather telling a story, but yeah, you're right. Or Beauty and the Beast, I feel like, starts with the storybook too. Lots of them, lots Shrek. of them, yes. So I was like, what movie am I watching? Yeah, it's like, is this the right movie? Is this a spy movie? <laughs> no. So there's like a narrator mm-hmm. and the old text. And we follow Da Vinci, as in the historical figure, mm-hmm. into his workshop. And it looks like something out of, like, Time Bandits or <laughs> Army of Darkness. Yeah, so this is in 1481, and the King of Milan, right? King? Sure, I mean, I didn't even care. King of Milan, all right. <laughs> has commissioned Da Vinci to make a great statue of a giant horse made out of bronze. It would be known as the Sforza. And it would be the largest bronze statue ever built. But of course, war broke out. So bronze would became, became sparse. And so Da Vinci decided, all right, since I can't get bronze, but I have all this lead, I'm going to try to make a machine that can make lead into bronze. But of course, it did something else. Yes, it cracked the secret of alchemy, turning yes. lead into gold, which people have so, been trying to do for centuries. But by this point, Nicholas Flamel had already cracked it, at least if we listen to Harry Potter. The crossover nobody wanted, right. <laughs> so Da Vinci has this big, elaborate machine that transforms a lead ingot into a gold ingot. The way the device works is there's this crystal that gets sunlight shot into it, and, and there's a spinning mechanism, and somehow that changes lead into gold. But the important thing, I think, is the crystal. Yes, that's true, because the crystal will be the MacGuffins that serve us through the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, just in case you don't understand these Da Vinci, he does all these other Da Vinci-related things. I did like, and like is a very loose term, mm-hmm. <laughs> the all the different Da Vinci things, like the Whirly Bird. Right. The helicopter thing. 
And then um, the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa I could care less for. And then I like the glider. One thing I noticed about the credits is that it says the story is by Bruce Willis and Robert Kraft. So Bruce Willis wrote this. Which is a warning sign. <laughs> or at least he came up with a story for it. Not a story by usually, yeah. <laughs> Typically when actors are involved with things other than acting, it's not a good sign. Unless it's Tom Cruise and he's producing or Ben Affleck, and he's directing. That's why I say true. usually. True, true, true. You do have exceptions. Wow, but I also so... think it's funny. I also think it's funny that the owner of the New England Patriots was involved in making this movie. Huh. I'm kidding, of course. That's a different Robert Kraft. I looked Aww. it up on IMDb to be. <laughs> I was all ready to be both impressed and embarrassed for him. Mm. If you want to be embarrassed for him, there's many other things to be embarrassed about. <laughs> so Da Vinci has pieces of the star-shaped crystal. And he looks wistfully and he breaks him into three pieces. And then we go to 500 years later, where a different kind of artist is getting released from Sing Sing. Hold on. So is Sing Sing a real prison or is that just slang for prison? It's a specific prison. Okay. Like, remember the end of the producers? Oh, you two are created uh, early release for helping every murderer, rapist, and sex maniac in Sing Sing. We're free. That's the end of the show, I should say, not the movie. Okay. Oh, so apparently, yeah, it's called Sing Sing Correctional Facility, and it's derived from the Sint Sing Native American tribe from which the land was purchased from. So, what an honor. Insult to injury. Ouch. <laughs> not only they mispronounce it, they name a prison after it. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so he gets released, he being Hudson Hawk, and he's getting all his personal belongings in the very tropey prison movie way. All your right. coat, your wallet, your hat. We find out that he's supposedly the world's greatest cat burglar. Yes. So that part was ridiculous. <laughs> so he's walking down the corridor with his parole officer, and his parole officer is just dumping the exposition out in buckets. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's like, you... Eddie, whatever, the world's greatest cat burglar, and me, as your parole officer, I have to make sure you stay on the straight and narrow. His parole officer, Gates, is not doing a great job of keeping him on the straight and narrow, though, because pretty much immediately, even before he gets out, he's trying to make him do a job. Right. And he says no. Yeah. And, well, the, the job is supposed to be, you know, basically... One night and he's free, no checking in with a shrink, no no more community service, and that's it. Right. But Hawk, yeah, Hawk says no. He goes outside and his buddy is picking him up. His buddy, Tommy. At first, he hears a car backfire. He, like, jumps to the ground because he thinks... Right, like, it's like he has PTSD. (laughs) So they pick him up. He makes a joke about Tommy's weight because this was back in 1991 when you could do that. And they drive off with this, like, fun jazz kind of soundtrack. That is the one thing I will give this movie. I, I like the soundtracks, and I like the songs they featured in it. Music by Michael Kamen and some other guy. Michael Kamen oh, the Band of Brothers guy, among other things. And also things. License to Kill. Right. So while they're driving along, I noticed that Bruce has four earrings. Yeah. I've never seen Bruce Willis, or shall we call him? We find out his actual name is Eddie. I'm going to keep calling him Bruce Willis. So that's okay. okay. <laughs> well, it's going to get confusing because we're going to call him Eddie, Hawk, or Bruce Willis. Hudson Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him with earrings. That's interesting. It's an interesting character choice. So, yeah. So, get back um, into the city, stop by a bar and grill. All of his old friends have gone, replaced by a gentrification, apparently. Yeah, a bunch of uh, like stockbrokers have discovered this local bar, and now none of the locals can afford it. Womp right. womp. Eddie is sitting right. down to enjoy a cup of coffee. 
That's the one thing he's always wanted, but he can't get it. <laughs> yeah, well, not just any copy, a cap, nice cappuccino. Right. And there was a bit in the before where he Tommy had brought him a cappuccino right up when he got out of the joint, but of course, ends up spilling it. Yes. So that's going to be a repeating thing. But then the coffee cup gets shot out of his hand by a silence <laughs> gun, which is absurd. Right. All these stockbrokers around and no one bats an eye when someone pulls out a gun and shoots a coffee cup. Well, I think we've already discussed how silenced, silenced, suppressed guns really are not very quiet. Yeah, even so. It turns out that the Mario brothers just wanted to get (laughs) his attention. And if I were writing this movie, if they're the Mario brothers, if I were in this movie, I would have had them say, no, I would have had them say, we're the Mario brothers or the Super Mario brothers. And then Eddie would have said, what? Because earlier, yep. he didn't know what Nintendo was. I was going to say, what's with all the Nintendo tie-ins with the Mario Brothers and Nintendo name drops? Maybe it's a product placement, but more on that later. There's plenty so, of product placement to come. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, they're, unfortunately, or fortunately, they're not named Mario and Luigi. Which, sidebar, mm-hmm. is Mario both his first name and his last name? I'm disappointed in you, Christian. You don't have perfect encyclopedic memory of the Super Mario Brothers movie starring Bob. Well, I know Bob in the that. movie they are that, but I don't know if the video game is the same thing because many things in that movie are ridiculous and not canon, like all of it. Well, I think in the games they don't have last names. Okay. Well, That's then how are they the Mario Brothers? Right. If only one of them's named Mario. Yeah, but one of them's the Alpha. <laughs> and it's not Luigi. And we see that this is more interesting than actually talking about the movie. <laughs> right. So the Mario Brothers just wanted to do the same job. They're yeah. in league with the parole officer. With Gates, yeah. So they And apparently they are the third largest mafia in New Jersey. Right. They're making him an offer that he can't refuse, in other words. Yeah. And so the job is you got to rob an auction house, and there's a safe on the seventh floor. You take their thingy and replace it with this thingy. Simple. Right. He argues with Tommy he doesn't want to do it, but eventually he's like, okay, fine, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. They, as they do it. So I like I like this part, and I also... So the, there's a run, running gag they have where Tommy is giving, is giving him a, a different song, and Eddie, for some reason, knows exactly how long each song is. But how would Tommy know if he's right or wrong? That's true, I don't know. <laughs> like, this is before the internet, so it's not like he'd be able to just look it up instantaneously. Well, maybe he can just pull out a record and see and it shows how long it is. I don't know. Okay. They break into a pool. There's a line I like where it says, no horseplay by the pool, to which <laughs> Eddie says, this isn't horseplay, it's a major felony. <sighs> they use a pool rope to, to like get between the buildings. Yeah, I like so they, they crawl they use, between the buildings. <laughs> they use the uh, life preserver to fling it across onto a very seemingly not sturdy pole. <laughs> None of it seems sturdy. I'm like, don't you guys have professional burglar stuff you uh, could use instead? Yeah, but then if they get caught with that, they have no excuses. Not that they really have any excuses to be there anyways. They would be pretty caught red-handed. And then during this whole scene, they speak very loudly. For people <laughs> right? Engaged like they're in shouting crime. as they're like, no, I'm going to fall. Why would, this is a terrible idea. It's like, how do people not hear this? It's only rated for 900 pounds. <laughs> So there's also a brief thing I wanted to mention here, which is the first but not last racist joke in the movie. Oh, 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 let's get into it. Well, where these these two guards are hanging out. One guard is bored. He's looking at the phone book. Remember phone books? Mm -hmm. And he says, there's like 200 wongs. 
like people named Wong in the phone book. That's a lot of Wong numbers, which uh, would be bad enough. It's not great. Oh, but no. then the stereotypical Asian music. Yeah, the kung fu fighting riff. Oh, oh! It's like why you got to do that? Seriously, come on! Well, we don't even have time to think about it because then our two heroes scoot in on skateboards. <laughs> yeah. So by this point, I'm over, I'm actively rooting against the security guards because they are racist. Mm-hmm. They're pretty terrible. Like they make fun of the fatter security guard who is sitting watching like all the collection on this blue chair, and they're like shout out at him over the intercom to startle him and the chair like falls apart underneath it like so yeah they play a mean prank on him yeah so i i pretty much have no sympathy for these security guards well i'm rapidly losing my sympathy for our two main characters as well <laughs> well we'll get into it later okay they go to the security video room they're gonna basically rewind and replay the tapes so that they can sneak by undetected right the classic move except they didn't think to try to watch who, what was on the tapes to see that maybe if something that was there is not there anymore. Well, I kind of like that, actually. It All seemed right. a little bit more realistic that something I like about the Mission Impossible movies is that mm-hmm. not everything goes perfectly. Fair enough. All right, so Eddie sneaks around, you again, using the skateboard. And then the movie takes a very strange turn. Which turn is that? Is it when it becomes a musical? Yes, that is I what I'm talking about. So... Coming around to it, though the reason that he knows, or seemingly the reason that he knows how long each song is, is that he can they use it for timing. So they know exactly mm-hmm. how long they need. And if they're both singing it, and they're both keeping the same time, so hopefully that they're good at keeping time, then they know exactly when things are supposed to go off. Was that explained in the movie? No, that's just something you pick up. Well, okay. I mean, they say that, okay, you know, it's about five minutes and change until things get activated. All right, what song picks a song and uh, swinging on a star? And so they both sing it so they both know exactly when time you know, time works, even though, as uh, Tommy points out, you know, we have watches. Right. I think it's just because they wanted to put singing in the movie, even if it really doesn't fit the tone. Eh. What is the tone? Well, we'll get into that as well. <laughs> the guards, first of all, they notice that the blue chair is still intact. Right. And then they also notice that they are on screen, too, when they're mm-hmm. really sitting in the uh, security guard booth. Yeah, so they're not really bad <laughs> And then the guards find them. Eddie trips them on a tripwire. Yes. And, and thumb cuffs them together. And then the fat guard chases after them. And mm-hmm. they all, almost catches them, but they jump off the roof into an awning. Yes, they do an aim from the bushes, like from <laughs> the, the other guys. And they fall through the awning, and there's a smash cut from them falling through the awning to Eddie falling into a chair. So it's like, wait, did he fall into the chair? No, it's just a... It's it's just later. It's a time jump, yeah. Mm -hmm. They meet... It looked like the dad from Mary Poppins. (laughs) It's not. But it's not. I think his name is Alfred. His name is Alfred, right? Butler-looking guy. Mm -hmm. And we find out later he is actually a butler. And also the Mario Brothers are there, as is Gates, the... Parole officer. Alfred takes the horse and he smashes it, and they're all like, What? This priceless artifact? Oh, we didn't even talk about what what he stole. (laughs) So he stole a horse. Uh, Yes, he did. The model of the horse that was on Da Vinci's desk before. Yeah, which apparently contains the crystal. Mm -hmm. Or at least part of the crystal. The guy who gave him, was it the parole officer? Parole officer. 
parole officer's like, where's my money? And Alfred immediately kills him. Yes. Well, he kills Uh, him with a one-liner. Again, this is tone, okay? So in movies, something you apparently try to avoid, in my understanding, is tonal shifts. Right. Whiplash. So far, this movie has been very cartoony and silly. Yeah. There's a part where Bruce Willis bonks the two guards head together and makes like a squeak sound effect, like, Mm -hmm. in contrast with a bloody, gruesome murder. Yeah. There's not a great start. The Mario Brothers and Alfred leave Eddie alive. Right. They're going to need him later, I think. I guess that makes sense, actually. But, like, just in that moment, it's like, wait, why is he still alive? Why is he not worm food? Mm hmm. So, back at the bar, Eddie tells Tommy what happened. And in the paper, it shows that two thieves attempted to steal it, which means that no one knows that it's been replaced. It means the police covered it up. It's a conspiracy. No, not necessarily. Because, remember, the deal was, all right, you steal one thing and you replace it with another thing. So it's just a, it's a replica. Oh, uh, I did not remember the deal. Yeah. Eddie's getting suspicious and buys a new tux so he can sneak into the auction house in broad daylight. Post mm-hmm. fire. Okay, so this is another thing that makes no sense. <laughs> all right. It's all the same guards. Wouldn't the guards recognize him? Which is exactly what they do. He's somehow the world's greatest cat burglar and yet didn't think about that. Not the world's greatest spy, apparently. (laughs) He goes in and sits right next to Andy McDowell. Yes. And then the camera focuses on these people eating all sorts of snacks. There's one guy eating a Snickers, one guy eating Kit Kat, uh, one guy eating Butterfingers, and a woman eating an Almond Joy. And you can always tell because the angle of the candy bar is right there. Yes. Commercial. But you barely had time to register what's going on when James Woods shows up. I'm kidding, of course. He isn't James Woods. He just looks like James Woods. You know who that is, right? It's Richard E. Grant. Yeah. I know from Star Wars. No, and also Doctor Who. Who is he, Doctor Who? He's the Great Intelligence. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's in a bunch of other stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he is, like, totally over the top. I don't even remember what he says. I don't remember. He is, uh, what's his name? Mayflower. Mayflower. He is Darwin Mayflower and his wife, seemingly? Yeah. Minerva. Call them the, May- the Mayflowers. Yeah. The horse is being auctioned off, and Andy McDowell is like, actually, I'm not one of these rich auction goers. I'm an expert. So she goes up and, like, kind of rubs the horse for some yeah. reason? Well, no, she's, she's from the Vatican. So her name is Anna Barigli. Of the mm-hmm. Va- Dr. Anna Brigley of the Vatican, and she's there to authenticate it. Which I guess just involves like rubbing it, touching it, and saying, oh, okay, perfect. Yes. Yeah. So it's authentic. As this is happening, first of all, the, sc- the fat security guard notices Eddie and starts going after him. And mm-hmm. Anna very purposefully trips the guard, so he falls down. Right. And as this, as this is happening, the auctioneer is saying, going once, going twice, sold. And it as soon as the gavel drops, the Mayflowers duck, and then mm-hmm. there's an explosion. Did the auctioneer explode? Somebody exploded. People definitely died. No, but I mean, like, what, what caused the explosion? It looked like it's the auctioneer was the bomb. I don't <laughs> it know. It makes no sense, but who knows? It, it might have been, like, hidden nearby. That makes a little bit more sense. Makes more sense, but yeah, the, the, it, it was very focused on the auctioneer exploding, and there's an arm you see, like, flying out, too. I know, right? Tonal shift. All hell breaks loose. People, People run running, everywhere. Yeah. And Anna is about to get hit by a falling column. 
right? Bruce tackles her, saves her. And then she's like, you didn't need to tackle me in order to save me. Hmm. He has some other... Uh, repartee. Repartee, yeah. I didn't write down lines I didn't think were funny, which was most of them. Before he gets <laughs> hit in the face by like by a, a Pegasus, Pegasus. That, like, <laughs> swings down. Uh, and next we see him in an ambulance. Right. And mm-hmm. we hear this cackling laughter. The Mario brothers are standing over him, laughing at them. Mm-hmm. And so he hits one of them in the face with a bunch of needles. Yes. Oh my God, that was horrible. <laughs> that was like the worst thing I've ever seen. But this is what I mean, where it's like <laughs> gruesome violence interposed with cartoony jokes, which we're about to get fast and furious in this part. You know what that reminds me of? What? The rapid tonal shifts between the spy who dumped me. We'd have all this action and bad jokes. This movie is very similar to The Spy Who Dumped Me. It makes The Spy Who Dumped Me look way better. In okay, yeah. All right, all right. I was, I was, I was going to say, no, Spy Who Dumped Me was more enjoyable. But anyways. Yes, it was. <laughs> and then here comes this really ridiculous scene where he falls out of the back of the ambulance on the gurney. Mm-hmm. A driver who's driving by flicks a cigarette. He catches it, smokes it. And is like, ugh, menthol, tosses it out. <laughs> and he's, right. and the gurney is still zooming down the highway. He's maneuvering his body to try to get it to go around things. He goes through a toll booth, throwing mm-hmm. exact change. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's not oh. even funny to watch at the time. It's oh. just like, what is happening? Right. And he, he keeps saying these stupid lines like, this is a brand new tuxedo. <laughs> oh. But there is a line that I liked that where this random woman leans out of a car and says, hey, mister, are you going to die? I can't perform it as funny as she did. She did a better job. So you take my word for it. As he's going by, as he's zooming past the ambulance somehow, the ambulance is chasing him and it gets into a bunch of crashes and then it flips over Mm -hmm. and explodes. And well, there goes the Mario Brothers. Hope they had another life. Wow, wow, wow. Or or rather, (laughs) how's how's it go? No, how does this? It's like da da da, rah, 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 and Mario know. dies, something like that. <laughs> so then he meets a CIA team. Yeah. So miraculously, the gurney halt, slows to a stop right in front of this mysterious man. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't speak? He just passes notes, and he introduces himself as Kit Kat, and mm-hmm. his teammates are. All the candies that we named earlier. No yeah. need to go through them again. Oh, I was going to, but okay. <laughs> okay, there's a, a throwaway joke where Almond Joy says that he used to be named after diseases and she was chlamydia. Uh-huh. Which sounds like it could be a real person's name. I had a friend in college who wanted to name his daughter that. What? And we weren't sure whether or not he was kidding. I hope he's oh. doing okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's... Wow. Well, I mean, I had a roommate in college whose last name was Park, and he wanted to name his kids uh, Yosemite, Denali, and Jurassic. Jurassic gets the worst, I think. (laughs) Anyways, it's a CIA team and led by a very mysterious older man who calls Mm -hmm. them, he says, you like to call them the MTVIA. Right. Uh, But the guy's name is George Kaplan. Ding, 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 ding. Anyone recognize that name? I don't. Really? Yeah. Why, do you bring up, why did you bring up uh, Hitchcock before the show then? Because this is similar to To Catch a Thief. Oh, uh, well, okay. Have you seen North by Northwest? Sure, but a long time ago. Okay. But the main gist of it is that the main character gets mistaken for a spy named George Kaplan. Uh, 
I knew his real name was Roger Thornhill. Mm. That's about all I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So George Kaplan, once that name was like, okay, where are we going with this? Mistaken identity is what? Come on. Something like that. Yeah. So apparently Kaplan is the person who tricked Eddie into robbing a government installation and had him sent to prison. So he's the reason that Eddie was in prison. For apparently a really long time. So Eddie's mad. Mm-hmm. But And he was not even the main thing. He was just a diversion for whatever operation they were running. Right. First, they try to do that. Look, what's that behind you? And he says, I'm not falling for that. So Kaplan just punches him. And Eddie falls perfectly into this open giant suitcase with packing peanuts in it. Which is why it's so strange. <laughs> also, there's a line where he says, like, my employer wants to meet you. Who? The president? No, someone powerful. <laughs> right, like the president isn't powerful. He just said someone more powerful. That's that's scary. Wait, who was Wait. president? What, do you, what year was this? 91? Yeah, so that would be George H.W., yes. Huh. All right. So Eddie, Eddie wakes up in a hotel room and there's the Coliseum outside, just in case the <laughs> audience doesn't get it, that they're in Rome. So two things I did enjoy about the movie was music and that actually used film, like filmed on location. I've been to Rome before, so it was nice actually seeing Rome, like real Rome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so, looked really good. Yeah, it looked great. Like, And I've been to a lot of places. I've been to Coliseum. I've been to the ruins they walk around later, the Vatican. So it's always fun to see that, but it doesn't make up for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. They take him to meet the council of bad guys. That's what I call them. <laughs> it's the Mayflowers and a bunch They're of like cronies yeah. or something. So uh, <laughs> Richard E. Grant has this big villain monologue where he uh, literally says their gold is world domination. Which made me just want to quote James Bond and Dr. No. Ah, that old dream. World domination. Our asylums are full of men who want to do that. Except that this is 30 years after that. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. When it's become a cliche, but I think that might have been the idea, of course. Yeah. Hawk just wants to go home, and they threaten Tommy, also blackmail him, because he said that Kaplan had cameras in the whole auction house, so now they have proof that Eddie's actually the one who robbed them. Right. And they say the next mission is to rob the Vatican. And they're going to steal Da Vinci's sketchbook. Eddie does some recon in the Vatican, which at least parts of that were actually filmed in the Vatican, because I recognize some of those rooms. Cool. The big round circular one where the Da Vinci's Codex was, not in the Vatican, but I think the rest of it was. Well, that would make sense. They needed to do a lot of filming there. So yeah. it makes the set that it's a set. Andy McDowell is back. She says something along the lines of, it's been here for 500 years and we'll stay here for 500 yeah. more. Which Bruce Willis says, <laughs> that's what you think out loud. Like he's like, a uh, well, and there's also, well, speaking of children, there's mm-hmm. also this really annoying American girl right. there with this stuffed elephant who's like hitting against the handrail for some reason. And it's a big cir- circular handrail. And then like her mother comes up and saying, whatever your name is, you're embarrassing your country. I'm like, well, things haven't changed. I mean, it's true. When you're a visitor to a strange land, you're sort of on display. But she seems to have about the same maturity level as Eddie. Right? <laughs> the reason Anna's there, because she's get, seemingly giving a tour. And so, right. like, giving all this information about the Codex. Mm-hmm. And Eddie throws the stuffed elephant over the boundary, sets off the alarm. This giant cage comes down into it. Yeah. And as soon as this happens, Anna, like, pulls him aside, brings him into this, like, secret tunnel where mm-hmm. there's a postal subway. Because apparently the, that's how the Pope gets his mail. I bet it's used for all kinds of conspiracy things, too. I wanted to know more about that stuff. That's, like, the interesting part. Right? Well, yeah. 
I don't know. Let's take a minute here and talk okay. about Eddie. <laughs> right. I found Eddie to be a very dislikable <laughs> character. Yeah, okay. There's certain kinds of characters that are like lovable. Lovable assholes. Okay. You're, you're Han Solos. Yeah, or Ferris Bueller. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think they were trying to get Eddie to be one of them. Yeah. But the thing is, I feel like a character like that needs to have someone that they're nice to. He's nice to Tommy. He constantly makes fun of Tommy for being overweight. Like twice. Like a lot. Okay. Right. Twice that I remembered, but I kind of may have just tuned it out. Yeah. So like through most of this movie, he has this really like smug, like I'm better than you kind of attitude, which I found to be very unattractive. Which is funny because he's, the the movie's also trying to sell him as like a moral thief. You think so? A moral thief. Well, later on, that's Anna's like, when Anna's talking to her superior, and I guess we could just get into this now. So she's like seemingly some sort of Vatican spy, but also a nun. What's wrong with that? I don't know. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah, but, but again, this whole movie watching. Yeah, later on in the movie, she's talking to the priest and is like, he's being tricked and he's not being used, and he took a moral high ground. I was like, did he though? The morality of the situation is almost besides the point. I'm not really talking about whether he's a good person or not. Oh, okay. I'm more talking about whether he's enjoyable to be around. Oh, fair. All right. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the sort of jazzy nature, but that's about it. Okay. And he's not like, I, I like the cleverness too. Sometimes. Sometimes he's clever in terms of stealing things. Yes. His puns are terrible. His, his one-liners are terrible. I, I, don't, I don't like those. Yeah, like, most of what he says is very unpleasant. <laughs> the way that uh, Anna gets summoned to meet with her superior is this crucifix. Well, she starts talking to it, saying, mm-hmm. you know, oh, Father, forgive me, he's up to something. And then it lights up and starts talking back to her. <laughs> I know, it's like something out of Batman from <laughs> the 1960s. No, no, do not insult 66 Batman like that. Fair enough. Who would think that a cross is some kind of spy device, right? It's the last place you'd walk. Uh, uh-huh. So the Vatican knows what's going on. Yeah, Anna knows that he's going to steal the Codex, but doesn't know when or how. And also they make a date to meet at a restaurant around the corner at 1030. That's a late time for dinner. It's Europe. Remember how uh, our Indian friend eats at like 830 at night? Uh, fair. It's just a different culture. So Eddie goes to a payphone. Yes. Tries to make a collect call to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And as he's making the call to Tommy, Tommy doesn't pick up. And then Butterfingers and the rest of the candy bars find him. Oh, yeah. We didn't mention this before, but Butterfingers is like this enormous Teutonic guy. Who's really dumb. And like evil, but we'll get to that yeah. later. So they go and they have some discussions with Kaplan again. I don't remember what they talk about. Uh, they just tell him that he's going to go into the Vatican tonight. And as this is happening, Kit Kat is like right behind him wearing the exact same clothing, mimicking him. And yeah. apparently that's his thing. He like mimics everyone. That's not know. very funny. And never talks. I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I didn't really get it. So Kit Kat gives him like a, you know, a note that says, beware the blue wire. It will not be explained how he knows about the blue wire. So don't worry about it. So Eddie's so, going in. Eddie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uses mirrors to foil the lasers, just like in Mission like Impossible. Well, oh. not just mirrors. So he uses mirrors, and he has one of those extendable ruler things. You have, you have one of those? Like a tape measure? Like an, It's a foldable yardstick is what it is. Well, I don't have one anymore, but I used to. Yes. Yeah. And he... he Puts that across, uses the clamps from two, from a 
car charging battery or like car charging cable. Mm -hmm. What is it? Jumper cable. That's what it's called. Jumper yes. cable is to put them in place and then slides them in, avoid the lasers, which I, I thought was clever. I was using ordinary things to beat a security system. Uh, so I like that. Apparently, one of the guards, because this is the Vatican, so the guards are slightly smarter. Right. Notices the mirrors are missing. He's like, okay, good on you for actually knowing where things are. And mm -hmm. so he runs over the codex and sees that, oh, the top of the codex glass box is melted through. The guard goes down to see it, but the codex is still there. That's when Bruce Willis yanks it out with a fishing wire and traps the guard in the cage I, that comes down right above him. I did think that was pretty slick, even if yeah, it doesn't so make much that. sense. <laughs> and I also wanted to point out that the guards eat spaghetti out of a thermos. Get it? Because they're Italian. <laughs> One of the other guards starts chasing him. He uses a grappling hook to, like, first of all, get onto the roof and then use it to zip line across this great distance. This was the part uh, that reminded me of To Catch a Thief. It's just okay. the whole, everything on the rooftops. Hmm, okay, I've never actually seen To Catch a Thief, so I'll have to okay. watch it. His line gets shot, and he, like, lands oh, on a lamppost. Like, this is more cartoon physics. Uh, falls into a truck, falls off the truck, right, right. into his seat <laughs> for the date. Mm-hmm. And she makes a joke about, oh, oh I wasn't sure if you were going to drop in. Uh, right, he orders his food in perfect Italian, and then ask for ketchup. Right? So it's like, I guess he can speak Italian now. Uh, they bring the ketchup in the uh, ice bucket for champagne. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> that I laughed at. It almost makes you wonder if he's not the first American to order ketchup at this yeah. fancy man's place. Who orders ketchup with Italian food? People who don't know how to eat pasta, I think. Uh, There's kind of a funny part where he's like, we didn't get good ketchup like this when I was in prison. And he tells yeah. like, what did you just say? Did you just say prison? Mm -hmm. Tries to pass it off that, but she clearly sees through it. Mm -hmm. He's been in, in there long enough that he didn't see E.T. Which doesn't help. I don't know when E.T. came out. 1981? Sure. But yes, yeah, so they get the tech very yeah, quickly. Tech, without is... even eating their food. It's like it's a movie. Nobody ever eats their food in uh... movies or TV shows. Anyway, so they go back to her place. She's giving him a massage, sees his tattoo of a hawk. And mm -hmm. we find out, so a hawk is apparently a cold wind. It's slang for a cold wind that blows in the wintertime. And because he grew up in Hoboken, New Jersey, right on the Hudson River, they got the nickname Hudson Hawk. Sure, makes sense, I guess. No. <laughs> uh, he should have just been like, this is my professional working name. It makes more Anyways, sense than a nickname. They're starting to get closer and more intimate. And then she pulls away and says, oh, I can't do this. And as they're about to kiss again, the crucifix alarm goes off. Is this also the part where he says, I hope I remember what it's like to kiss women, because I sure haven't been kissing men, just in no, case you guys no. were wondering. Or is that later? No, that's this part. And, I mean, it's slightly less homophobic than that, the way they phrase it, but yeah, pretty much. Mm, close enough, yeah. Yeah. But, right, the, the notebook is found, and she's like, oh my god, you just stole this. <laughs> And she did have a good line. Did the devil make you do it? Or was it Darwin and Minerva Mayflower? I like well, that. She's like got his number. She's like figured it all out. All right. And so this is where we get to the candy bars who are outside in a car watching them, basically. Mm -hmm. And Butterfingers. You want to talk about this? Yes. You mean the worst part of the movie? Yeah. Someone says they've gone quiet up there to which Butter... I said Butters. To which Butterfinger says, you want me to rape them? What? And I was like, what? And I had to rewind oh my and God. the subtitles on to make that sure was, I heard him. Yeah, 
That was terrible. What? What? This is incomprehensible. We need to get Robert Kraft in here right now to explain himself. <laughs> uh, and then they tell him, shut up and read your book, which he starts reading out loud, Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah, so the, it is not funny. I think it was supposed uh, to be funny. It is it not, not funny. No. I don't think it was even funny back then Mm-mm. in 1991. Okay, <sighs> let's move and on I, from that, though. Yeah, so Anna gives Eddie a, a cappuccino, and of course it's drugged. Mm-hmm. Also, there was a lot of foam on, like there was like whipped cream on that cappuccino. So it was not a cappuccino. So, you remember how night and day I kept talking about how uncomfortable it was that Cameron Diaz kept getting drugged unconscious and yeah. dragged all over the world? Same thing going on here. Really? I didn't feel uncomfortable about it. Well, it's less. It's not so much uncomfortable as it is Bruce Willis doesn't have a lot of agency. Yeah. It's not the same thing because he's not Cameron Diaz. You know, he's Mr. Tough Guy Bruce Willis, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, fair. And then somehow, as soon as he's drugged, the candy bars know to come in. Yeah. I have to tell you. And Anna says she wants to meet with Kaplan, so they meet. And apparently, you know, Kaplan tells her once the Mayflowers have realized that the candy bars have the codex, the Mayflowers will want to make a deal. He sends Kit Kat to bring uh, Anna home, and Kit Kat is dressed in the same dress as Anna. Okay, I'm sorry, I have questions though. Yes. So he's like, okay, it's a sting operation. Is it though? Yeah, that's what he says. He's like, once we get the crystals, we'll get the Mayflowers. And oh, the right. This is what he's telling her, but it's not true. Is it, though? I don't know who to believe. <laughs> don't believe the people who try to kidnap and kill them later. Well, that's later. I'm talking about yeah. for right oh, now. Right now, yeah. Okay. And right now, yes, I do believe it. Okay. Because he says to Bruce Willis that he works for Mayflowers earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's they're true. even more powerful than the president. So it's like, what? And then also, they keep saying that Anna works for the Vatican organization. So I'm like, if you're going to have the Vatican have like a spy service, can you you like come up with a name for them? Yeah. Well, it's dumbing it down for the audience. No, I got that. I bet we could come up with some better names right now. Here, I'll go first. The Vatican Intelligence Service or Viz. (laughs) Here, you try one. just make her part of the Swiss Guard. Okay, fine. I suppose you can do that. Or the Swiss Guard Advanced. Are you team. trying to make up a clever like acronym? Yeah. Something. Uh, uh, all right. Oh okay. yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, like, even if I come with something stupid, the movie has all kinds of stupidity uh, in it. So yeah, fair enough. And I think this is also when we learn that Anna's a nun. Like she even wears the habit and everything. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit later. Well, like, in mm-hmm. the very next scene, we see her right. in confession. Hmm which she uses as a way to talk to her handler, basically, or her boss. Right. So right here is where she finds, says that, tells the priest that the CIA is using Hudson Hawk, mm-hmm. and that the CIA is working for the Mayflowers. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, there's more. What else is, oh, I don't know. Her boss explains the plot. And by the plot, I mean the plot of the movie, yes, but also yeah. the Mayflowers plot. He says oh. that they're going to use the three crystals to make a gold machine and ruin the world economy. Oh. I missed that part here. It's amazing because two scenes later, the Mayflowers explain it again, but the See, audience already knows. Unless they were tuning it out because it's so terrible, like I did, and <laughs> I actually needed the second one. I'm just amazed that for once I was paying attention, because uh, usually I'm not. <laughs> I think I was just more focused on, like, what is this movie? <laughs> 
And then the scene ends with Anna putting shades on, which I thought was <laughs> with funny. her habit. That was like, yeah. okay, that's, that's kind of funny. yeah. So this is where we really get the implication that she's a nun spy. Mm-hmm. Also, you could have had some sort of thing where nun was an acronym. I don't know what it would stand for, but something undercover. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of good nun jokes you can make, like uh, my one about the movie The Nun. Have I told you about this? My no. stand-up comedy bit about the movie The Nun. <laughs> Okay, so really briefly, <laughs> okay. I did this bit that I've never actually performed where I'm like, a lot of movies have these really boring titles, like really on-the-nose titles, mm-hmm. especially horror movies. And one of them is about the nun who kills people. So what's it called? It's called The Nun. Super boring, right? It's not okay. that hard to come with a better title. Here, I'll give you one right now. Bad Habit. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a lot better. Oh, Wow. I feel okay, like that should also be a movie about, like, nuns who, I don't know, rebel. Or it's like Sister Act 3, yeah. Bad Habits. There's I would a lot watch you that. can do with that. You haven't seen All the right, Sister Act the movies? Movie. Sister no, Act I'll, movies are really good. No, no. I'm saying I would watch a third Sister Act movie called Sister Act 3, Bad Habit. Yeah. Uh, coming soon to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> to meanwhile, to the less entertaining movie. Right. So the bad guys get the second MacGuffin. They get the second piece of the crystal or whatever oh yeah so darwin is like playing tennis by himself right with one of those like you know serving machines and yes huds hawk is brought by the cia to the mayflowers so it's definitely clear that they're working for them but then they're bad guys whether or not it's actually a sting operation it doesn't seem like it who knows it was a very dropped plot point and so they cut into the codex which made me like ah no that's something that to belong to Da Vinci and right. bring out two pieces of the co- or one piece of the codex. So now they have two pieces out of seemingly three. So what movie was it where the good guy, some ancient good guy is like this magical item uh-huh. or this device is too powerful. So I'm uh-huh. going to scatter it across the land so that no one can reform it. Like every Indiana Jones ripoff. Uh, Tomb Raider though. That's a good example. I also was thinking, like, one of the Dungeons and Dragons movies. I have not seen any of them, so could be. These two guys who look the same and they both look like Rick Astley. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, cannot and, unsee. And Mayflower has a good line where he says, all I wanted you to do was, I don't remember what he wanted them to do. Uh, like, was, like, get the piece of the crystal or something. Yeah. And, he and says, now we just have to kill you. Well, but before that, he says, it's not like I asked you to teach the nation's children how to read. Oh. I thought that was a pretty good line. I thought it was fine. But then he kills them. Well, no, he doesn't kill. He he jokes and says, you know, like, well, now we're just going to kill you. And Minerva takes it seriously. He pulls out a, was it a Double gun? crossbow. Was so you make crossbow. a joke about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's later with the crossbow. Oh. I think it was just a gun. Okay. And shoots both of them in the head. And then he was yeah. like, I was just joking. Oh, well. It's being eternal chefs. Uh, so this is the part with the- Eddie steals something. Uh-huh. We don't know what it is. Puts it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And they say that they need him for the final job. Yeah, this is the part where Mayflower has the monologue where he explains the whole gold plot that the audience, mm-hmm. if those of us who pay attention yeah. already knew. <laughs> but I like that they spell it out in more detail. And what comes to mind first for me is like, so it's a reverse Goldfinger. Okay. Because in Goldfinger, Goldfinger is going to Fort Knox. He's going to irradiate the gold supply, which will you know, diminish the supply of gold, but make his own gold increase. Right. So instead, they're going to flood the market with all this gold. So the value of gold goes down. 
but their own money for some reason would be unaffected. I think Anna at one point even says, or maybe not Anna, somebody says your company won't be affected. And it doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't be affected by it. For some reason, like Goldfinger's plot makes more sense, but this is like, I don't get it. It's a great example of like the create gold, question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. profit? <laughs> yeah. It would be one thing if they were like, we're just going to make a lot of gold, make a lot of money. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Why yeah. Why does it have to be more complicated than that? Because world domination. <laughs> so in addition to the Spy Who Don't Me, this also reminded me of Spy Cats. Okay. And I think it's on like the same intelligence level as No, do not insult Spy Kids like that. Yeah, you're right. Spy Kids is way smarter than this. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they tell him he has to steal the flying machine, like yeah. the primitive helicopter. Mm -hmm. And we also get a reveal that Tommy, at least on the surface, is working with them. And so he says his job was there to keep Ed Eddie in line. There's only one way you're going to get out of this, and it's going to hurt you more than it'll hurt me. And he pulls out a gun. And next we get them, like, cr an overhead shot of them crashing out a window, and they start fighting. Yes. And they're punching each other. The gun get, you know, gets kicked away. One of them grabs a gun. It goes off. And Tommy's bleeding, and it looks like he got hit. I also want to interject here where yeah. they are fighting, and they go past the Mayflowers who are, like, <laughs> sitting outside, and... Richard E. Grant has sunglasses where one oh. <laughs> lens is a sunglasses and the other one is a normal glasses. That reminded me of Spy Kids a lot. I'm not sure why. why. I don't know why. It just seems the kind of thing that Tony Shalhoub would wear in Spy Kids. Maybe. I guess. I don't know. I I'm not really seeing it, but okay. Anyway, right. so an ambulance comes up very quickly, brings mm -hmm. me into the ambulance, and Eddie gets in there too. And the ambulance drives off, and then the ambulance pulls a night rider and drives into a semi truck. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I like that. And the back I of the semi truck has the crossed keys of the Vatican, yeah, the symbol of the Pope. I like that. Yeah, for those of you who have played Medieval Two Total War, you should recognize it, or have visited the Vatican. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> As all this is happening, Kaplan and the uh, Mayweathers say, "All right, you know, we need to go to Plan B." Eddie and Tommy get out of the ambulance. Tommy's okay. Those were just blanks in the gun, and there was it was ketchup Heinz fifty seven ketchup. And somehow they all engineered this without the bad guys ever finding out. I credit to Anna and Anna's the Vatican. An okay, the Vatican organization. Yes, so the Anna, Vatican organization swag yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Eddie shows a piece of the machine that he stole, and it was a piece of Da Vinci's machine. They get the idea. All right. They've already got the machine, so they're very close to getting it. They just need the last piece. Right. And so they all go back to Anna's house. More awkward flirting. Mm. Oh, it was so awkward. Like, uh. when it's time to go to sleep, and Tommy's, like, right there on the couch, and Bruce Willis is, like, trying to make a move. It was uh. the worst. No. Yeah. It's, like, one of the worst things I've ever seen. That's the second time you've said that about this movie. But who's counting? <laughs> Apparently me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, she turns him down. They go to bed. Mm -hmm. Wow. He goes to the couch. Yes. Kaplan and the candy bars wake up Eddie the next morning. Anna's not there. Almond Joy shoots uh, Eddie and Tommy in the neck with curare darts, which they claim paralyze you from the waist down. But they were still moving their arms a little bit. A little bit. I'm impressed that they actually named the kind of venom they were using. Mm -hmm. Like, if I was a screamer, it's been like, it's a paralyzing agent. You'll mm -hmm. paralyze from the neck down or whatever. They get the piece they need. 
well, I guess we skipped over the fact that it was on the Louvre mm-hmm. on display for a few days. Also, they pronounced Louvre weird. Louvre or something. Yeah. Well, they pronounce it the not, I don't know, a different way than it is pronounced now. Maybe or it was a very American about, way of pronouncing yeah, it. Maybe he's talking about Louvre, Nebraska. We're not even <laughs> mentioning all of the lines that don't have oh, like 90% of <laughs> That's why we're not mentioning them. For everyone's sanity, I think. Yeah. Anyway, Anna comes so, back in. She's totally ineffectual. She pulls a gun, but before she can shoot, Almond Joy hits her in the neck with another curare dart. This right. is when Eddie finds out that Anna's a nun. Yes, and everyone laughs, which I thought was a little funny. But then uh-huh. later, they're uh-huh. like, Anna, do you love Hudson Hawk? Mm-hmm. And she says, and I have this written down, in a weird sort of Catholic way, I do. And no, like, that was not Catholic? about him. That was... You said you even love Butterfingers over there. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Because the Catholic nuns are supposed to love everyone. Oh. Yeah. That's so it was so like... Weird about that, then. There wasn't anything weird about... Well, I mean, yeah. Because he's a, apparently a rapist. No, but, okay, if I were writing the script, <laughs> and I know they didn't consult me, I would have had her say... <laughs> In Catholicism, we're supposed to love everyone, so I guess so. Like, what's so hard about that? Now I wouldn't be so confused. Because it sounds like something that Anakin says in episode two. That was the worst thing you've ever said to me. (laughs) 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 Okay. You say we are encouraged to love. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Uh, they're like, okay, so the CIA guys are like, we're out of here, and then we're going to try to kill them with a, like a J- Indiana Jones a bomb kind of style death trap. Uh. Yeah, they have this rocket launcher that fires bombs that count down. They're like, you're going to have five seconds to defuse the bomb mm-hmm. for some reason. How does Snickers get hit in the head with one of them? I don't really remember. Some sort of mishap. Maybe he trips. It's not uh, anything our heroes do. No. <laughs> I'll tell you that so He trips. Almond Joy comes up to eddie and is gonna dart him again but he blows into it so it goes backwards and she gets hit with curare mm-hmm. it's paralyzed they shake off the paralyzation are able to move a little bit and jump out a window and the holding blows up just in time for another aim for the bushes moment <laughs> and i feel kind of bad for these cia guys like so all the joy was paralyzed so she had no choice but to watch her death coming yeah but Same they thing with the other trying guys. to kill them <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, there's no need to rub it in. And also, they were trying to crash the world's economies. I have less sympathy. Okay, fine. So, meanwhile, in the bad guy's hideout, which I guess is the same castle from before. Yeah, it's a Da Vinci castle. Da Vinci castle. They're like, we need to figure out the code. Mm -hmm. Because apparently it needs a code. Yeah, apparently there's a code in the codex that tells them how to put together the crystal. So, they need Anna's help to do it. But Anna is still loopy from the curare. Yes, and she says a lot of things that are trying hard to be funny and are not funny. Something about dolphins. A lot about dolphins. Right. And then also in this scene, Kaplan and some of his flunkies are wearing very interesting costumes. Do you notice this? It's like purple camouflage. What? I missed that completely. Yeah, and they kind of look like the Joker from 1989 Batman when he's throwing the paint (laughs) on the uh, paintings. That's what it reminded me of. Okay, so moving on, Tommy mm-hmm. and Eddie are breaking in to the castle. It reminded mm-hmm. me of the end of Top Secret. It did, yeah. Also, Eddie's hat is back. 
I like the hat. I'm sure Bruce Willis did too. <laughs> I'm going to remember that the next time I wear my hat. <laughs> <laughs> and they somehow have the rocket launcher. Yeah. What? They were bringing it in like a, a golf bag. Right. But yeah, did they bring it with them after they jumped out of the place? Did they go back to Anna's destroyed house? Which we kind of like, they destroyed her house. Yeah, the only real explanation had to have been that they took it with them when they jumped out. Mm. But I sure didn't see them holding it. Mm -mm. Okay, so Uh. they still don't know how to infiltrate because there's a part where they yell four, (laughs) as in the golf term four, not the number four. But then they make a big explosion. So it's like they're not trying to be quiet anyway. Uh. There's also a part here where Kit Kat is posing as the statue and then is killed. That's the double cross with the double crossbow, right? Yes, that is. But not before he helps free Anna. Yes. For some odd reason. Well, the reason being, and he shows us on note, I always liked you. (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of funny. This is a little funny. Couldn't he just have a crisis of conscience and be like, I'm going to do the right thing? Uh, No. Okay, and then we have more singing. And I was like, just when we thought the singing was over. I mean, it only happened once. I was waiting for it to come back around. Okay, but it it bothered me less this time. I think because I like the song more. Oh yeah, so they have six minutes, so they start singing uh, Side by Side, Mm -hmm. which I've only heard that one verse of that song. I have no idea what the rest of the song is. There's two verses. Well, I'm like, but I've only ever heard that first verse of it. Tommy's going along, having a good time, blowing stuff up, until Alfred captures him with his, like, Assassin's Creed arm blades. (laughs) Right. Butters dies. Butters. Butterfinger dies. I don't remember how he dies. Oh, Uh, he he gets shot by Miranda, right? uh, Yep. Yeah, oh, by Minerva. Anna escapes fairly Mm -hmm. easily. She knocks Minerva out. Mm -hmm. There's a part where Hudson, I think he fights Kaplan, and he Mm -hmm. calls him a century intelligent scum sight. They tried. The fighting is super cartoony again. Right. Except when it's bloody. Yeah. There's a part where Eddie is like moving back and forth like on a like as if his hips were a hinge and he's like, How do I stop this? I was like, What 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 is this? Uh, and <laughs> well, also, yeah, that was terrible. That was so yeah, not yeah. funny. Right? I, I, right. Like, I like tried to blur that out. And Tommy is in the limo now with yes. Darwin. Mm-hmm. Or Darwin. I keep calling him Darwin. <laughs> You just call him Mayflower. And and he hits him five times. Uh And meanwhile, Alfred is just watching them fight. Right. Well, he's driving. Yeah. Is he in the front seat? Or is that someone else? Because he shot. No, Alfred is in the front seat because later he has the bandage on his neck. Oh, that's right. Because he he gets shot. That's right. Mm -hmm. Darwin jumps out. At the same time, Eddie and Kaplan are fighting. Mm -hmm. I think this is right after the stupid, like, like, hinging joke. And Eddie gets stuck bent over, and Kaplan's about to do this ridiculous flying kick yes. at him. Anyway, so it goes off a cliff and explodes with Kaplan and Tommy in it. Wasn't there a James Bond movie where a car explodes and then goes off a cliff? Where it's like uh, Many. a double tap? Many? Okay. Well, Dr. No is the first one that does it. Alright, I knew I had seen it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, meanwhile, the bad guys still need to put the crystal together yeah. and get it working. Well, and also, at this point, I think Eddie and Darwin yeah. like had a brief fight and somehow... Darwin captured both him and Anna. Yeah, I don't remember how. Anyway, so they bring them over to where the machine is. And this is like total James Bond, right? <laughs> Our heroes have nothing. They're in the villain's clutches. Mm-hmm. And the villains are about to win. 
And they're like, as I said, they need to put the crystal together. And they're like, Hudson, put it together. And I said to myself, mm-hmm. why didn't they have Anna do it? I think they did have Anna. They did tell Anna to do it, but Hudson just went up and did it himself. Uh, but he somehow sabotages the crystal in the process. Yeah, he takes a piece of the crystal off, so it doesn't work entirely. And so they put it into mm-hmm. the big machine, they make it work, even though it's the middle of the night, they use a big spotlight instead of the sun, because that would work. Smart. No? First smart decision anybody has made in this is, entire movie. Is it, though? <laughs> well, yeah. regardless, the machine, like, explodes. And it covers Minerva in land. Darwin gets crushed by a bunch of machinery. Alfred's the only one left. He starts fighting with his Assassin's Creed blades. Yes. And Eddie's fighting him. Anna gets a gun and tries to shoot him. And each time she shoots, keeps hitting Eddie, which was supposed to be funny. There's there's one part where the bullet bounces off his belt buckle. I'm like, what? Also, why is Anna so bad with her gun? Isn't she an agent? Uh, Yeah. Because... She works for the Vatican <laughs> organization. Eddie tricks Alfred into cutting off his own head and makes some joke about not going to the hat convention this year. Uh, that was terrible. In a movie full of awful one-liners, he's like, I bet you're not going to make it to the hat convention this year. First of all, are hat conventions even a thing? Probably. You like hats. You tell, uh, I've never been to a hat convention, or I'm just not cool enough to get invited. We'll have to see if the Hat Convention will sponsor this show. <laughs> Not after we insulted it. <laughs> but then after all the bad guys are dead, there's one more bad guy to take the on. The dog, honey. An overly friendly dog. Not overly friendly. Later on, you see Anna has like vampire marks on her neck because the dog was trying to bite her. What? I missed yeah. that. Oh my goodness. And they take out the dog with the tennis ball machine. Back full circle. <laughs> Of course, at this point, everything's exploding and they need to get out. So how do they get out? <laughs> they take Da Vinci's glider and land it in the Italian countryside. Yay, to the joys of much of the local Italian populace. Eddie's like, will you play Nintendo with me? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. He doesn't god. even know what that means because he's right? never even heard of Nintendo until the beginning of the movie. Uh, okay, so they kiss, and then I guess she's leaving the Vatican now, because he's like, what about the boss. big guy upstairs, your boss? And then Tommy's alive. Just when you thought the movie couldn't get any stupid. <laughs> how do you survive? Airbags, and a built-in sprinkler system in the car. What? And the thing is, the movie knows that it's ridiculous. Because he even says, like, sure, I'm sure that's what happened. And also, we forgot to mention that Tommy looks like Wiley Coyote <laughs> after one of his rockets <sighs> Like, covered in suit. Yeah. So, like, I know that they're going for the cartoon vibe. Like, that's very obvious. But we just had a decapitation. Which they actually didn't show, which I was grateful uh, for. They had some restraint. Yes. Well, the movie is very clearly rated R. There's tons of swearing and all that stuff. So it makes me wonder why they didn't. I don't know. I don't know. Finally, Eddie gets his coffee, and the narrator of the storybook even says Eddie gets his coffee, and that is... Not just a coffee, a cappuccino. Do they say cappuccino in the movie? Multiple times he's talking about a cappuccino. So the the storybook closes, and the movie blissfully ends. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I have to say about that. Now would be the time for Spy mm-hmm. Fact versus Fiction. Uh, I've been trying to track down where his uh, Da Vinci's ornithopter is the the flying the glider or the okay. uh whirly bird machine but 
feel like one of them used to be in the in the Vatican, uh, not the Vatican, Aaron Space Museum, but it may have just been a model. So who knows? Maybe it's still missing, or random Italian countryside. Hmm. So while you're looking that up, the only other thing I have is that there's apparently oh a 1991 video game uh, called Hudson Hawk, and it is 4.7 out of 10. On- 4.7. Ouch. The helicopter model is called an aerial screw. No idea where that one is. I'm not being able to find any good on where that one exists now or if it still exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a codex called the Leicester, which is a collection of scientific writings by Da Vinci. Well, yeah, the thing of the guy with the arms and the legs, it had to come from somewhere, right? Well, that's the Vitruvian Man. That's different. That is in the, uh, in the Louvre. Uh, but the codex okay. <laughs> belongs to Bill Gates now. Whoa. That's where he got his, all his money from. As far as curare poison goes, so far as I can tell, it is a paralyzing agent, but I don't think it paralyzes you from you know, the neck down. I think it's just everywhere. All right. I think that's all we've got. For, I, I don't know what other spy fact versus spy fiction we can pull out of this uh, was other than the fact that George Kaplan was the name of the spy that the main character is mistaken for in North by Northwest. Right. Gotcha. All right. So now it's time for our favorite quotes. All right, I've got one. All right. Take it away. Punks, they think the Bay of Pigs is an herbal tea and the Cold War had something to do with penguins. So there's a lot of quotes that I liked, but I think the people in the movie do a better job performing it than when you have it just written out, including the one that you just did. Are you criticizing my performance of that? <laughs> no, right. I'm not. I'm just saying. Well, like a lot of the ones I like, I like the one about, hey, mister, you're going to die. I like the one about teaching the nation's children how to read. But the one that I haven't covered yet is one that I like that was said by the best character, Anna. She says, I got bored, so I saved myself. That is a good line. I like that, actually. That's the kind of thing I would hope for from a member of the Vatican organization. <laughs> I'm going to laugh every time we say that. <laughs> we've done quotes, and we've done spy fact versus fiction. Now it is time for our ratings. On a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being a, absolutely the worst spy movie ever, and 10 being the greatest spy movie ever, how would you rate Hudson Hawk? I have to give it a three. Like, it's terrible. I'm actually going to move it down to a two now that I really think about it. Because not only is it a terrible movie, there is little to no spying in it. You know, rare parts I did like were vastly overshadowed by everything that just annoyed the hell out of me by this movie. And I am sorry. I apologize because I suggested this movie. <laughs> it's not your fault. We can't do all good movies. Got to mix it up every now and then. And I'd always wanted to see it because, like I mentioned, that joke about Bruce Willis and Hudson Hawk always made me curious. But anything else you want to say as part of your review? I think that wraps it up for me, other than the Vatican organization to be ashamed of itself for letting it be a part of this movie. Very hot take. I will also give it a 2 out of 10. It will probably be the worst movie that we cover on this podcast. I think it's safe to say. Most of the jokes are really bad. It didn't make me want to kill myself while I watched it. That's some... But I will... Not high praise? (laughs) And there was a little bit to like, but it was really not funny, and the racism and a rape joke really hurt it. So I will also give it a 2 out of 10. You know, I had almost forgotten about stereotypical Asian music, but now that almost makes you want to bring it down to a 1 even. But, you know, I'm going to leave it a 2. I'll leave it a 2. Yeah, a one would be like, it's like a movie that can't even exist. It's like a theoretical movie. All right, anything else you want to talk about? 
I think that about covers it. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at The SpyFi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are The SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to The SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.